makes me angry, um, frustrated, disappointed um, that there are people that are actually working against uh, what we feel is 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 the cause that that uh, would save humanity in, in the future. So um, yeah, I, I guess we. We will wait to see the outcome of, of this meeting, and uh, it's it's not over yet. So hopefully, we we get some positives out of this this the outcome of uh, uh, this meeting in uh, in in Dubai. I know that you're not there at COP, but it, there has been uh, reporting that in a closed door meeting of key ministers convened by uh, the COP president, um, that Australia's made some Chris Bowen, the climate minister's made some very strong cases and arguments for. Uh, you know, like the EU, phase out fossil fuel. Um, and so that language is very much in line with what you and the other Pacific leaders are calling for. H- how do you re- react to, I guess, uh, the stronger language we've seen uh, on that? Um, Australia is a large exporter of fossil fuels. It's It's been a part of, uh, our tangled in our climate change policies for, for many years. No, that's that's welcoming news for for us to um, to hear Australia uh, making that commitment. Uh, as you said, Australia is one of the the bigger exporters of, of fossil fuels, so it means a lot when it it's coming from Australia that they they they're serious about uh, phasing out the on the use of fossil fuels, and it's very pleasing for us as well to have uh, Australia. We always look at Australia as a as a bigger brother, and uh, it's it's always good to have them in our corner, especially in in these sorts of forums. So. Uh, that's very welcoming news for us. Your video, standing knee high in that water, really painted that visual picture. I mean, there, there is a lot on the line for Tuvalu, for the residents of Tuvalu. Can you explain how critical it is that uh, you, you're watching this very closely, that we get uh, the right outcome here? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of at, at stake for Tuvalu. Um, overshooting 1.5 means that countries like Tuvalu will be fully submerged by the oceans within uh, a number of decades. Uh, so it is an existential threat uh, for, for Tuvalu and countries like Tuvalu. And it is quite uh, sad that the, you know, countries can't make the right decisions to, to, to save countries like, like Tuvalu. And, and we always like to say that if you save Tuvalu, you, you're essentially saving the world because the climate crisis does not only affect Tuvalu, it affects everyone. And, and we're seeing that in uh, in the form of bushfires and floods and droughts in different parts of the world. And my hope is just that we that the world gets its act together before we we pass the tipping point. Your Prime Minister Tuvalu Prime Minister's addressed COP as well, and he says he wants this to be the COP of hope. I mean, is is hope running low at the moment, considering what we've just spoken about? Well, we always try to be optimistic when we are um, sending our team to, to negotiate and, and to push uh, for, for stronger climate action from, from the bigger countries. But I think the, you know, if we look back in history and, and the many COPs that we've had over, over the years, um, you know, I'm not too sure whether we, we can actually achieve this because it's, it's one thing to, to make these commitments and pledges and it's something else to, to actually implement it. So if it's so difficult to even just agree on language, you, you can you can imagine what it's going to look like in, when it comes to implementation. I mean, there are pledges that have already been made at COP, and and countries have still not uh, implemented the, the, those those commitments. Uh, so I think there's yeah, I'll hope, but I, I think that as time ticks, I think we, we that that hope diminishes. 
We did hear even on day one, a loss and damage fund announced. This has been something that uh, nations like Tuvalu and small island nation states have called for for more than 30 years. What's been your reaction to that? I mean, obviously, there are lots of problems with implementation. But was that a breakthrough to, to see that uh, that kind of operationalised and, and some pledged of funding put forward, even though Australia hasn't put any funding yet into that? I think it's a movement in, in the right direction. Obviously, there's still a lot of work to, to be done to um, for countries like Tuvalu to actually see the, the benefits of this uh, uh, financing mechanism. Uh, but I, I do want to congratulate uh, our negotiators uh, from last year and even at this COP to, to really get this um, um, financing facility up and up and running. Uh, obviously, the, the basis of this uh, this fund is is polluter has to pay, and 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 that's really the basis of, of why we're advocating for this. It's 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 a matter of justice. Countries that have uh, enriched themselves by destroying the environment have a responsibility to uh, to compensate. When we look at the disparity, I'm, I'm reading that it's 0.03%. That's the emissions footprint that the whole Pacific Island region has. Yet uh, you're literally on the front line. Can you, can you describe how that, you know, <laughs> how that is in terms of that's what you mean when you talk about climate justice? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're, we're contributing very little to to the to the problem. Yet we are facing the the full brunt of uh, the impacts of of climate change. But I think it, it places countries like Tuvalu in a very strong moral position uh, to to be able to to make these demands on on the international stage. And and it's and it's not calling for countries to help uh, little countries. It's it's a matter of justice. You, you the polluter has to pay. The message that. Are pushing for on the international stage, and, and we're hoping that it really uh, translates into benefits for, for countries like uh, Tuvalu. In terms of the details of the fund, that's still yet to be worked out. There's been uh, strong calls by advocates to, to make sure it includes economic and non-economic loss and damage, including aspects of culture. What are your thoughts on uh, making sure that the culture aspect is also included in any loss and damage fund? Yeah, I mean, for, for countries like Tuvalu, um, the impacts of, of climate change could force our whole population to, to relocate. Um, and, and that has a, a, an impact on, I mean, psychologically, it, it separates us from our, our, our land. Um, and there's a lot of culture that is connected to, to our physical territory and also our, our ocean. And so it's very important when we're talking about loss and damage, it, it's, it's not just the, the loss of what is in the physical, it's, it's also the, the, the memory and the heritage and the culture that is connected to, to, the, to the land. And, and, and I, I fully support that uh, assertion that that has to be included in, in the negotiations. What about the fact that um, Australia has not pledged any funding towards this loss and damage, even though it's rejoined the Green Climate Fund and put forward foundational funding for the Pacific uh, resilience um, financing facility. Uh, what do you make of the fact that Australia hasn't put any funding forward on, on the loss and damage fund? Is that critical that that needs to happen? Yeah, I, I think Australia needs to um, to really consider its actions because they are uh, asking to host uh, a COP in the future. And, and I think if they're really uh, serious about taking leadership, then, then they need to walk the talk. 
And uh, I guess all, all we can do from our side is, is remind them, encourage uh, Australia. Australia is a, uh, a very close development partner for, for Tuvalu. Uh, but it doesn't stop us from, from uh, standing up and, and talking to our friends. And what do you make of Australia's, uh, you know, kind of changed um, posture towards climate change uh, since the Albanese government came into play, the Pacific Islands Forum, there was announced uh, the bilateral treaty between Tuvalu and Australia, opening the pathway for 282 Tuvaluans a year to start with, to live, work, uh, study here as, as a result of the climate change impacts. I've, I've been reading that you want that deal renegotiated. What are your concerns? Right, well, um, I think there are some improvements that, that can be made. I've uh, noted uh, one specific area is the uh, the access that Australia will have to our immigration, citizenship, and passport uh, systems and processes. Uh, so that's that's a, that's concerning because I don't know of any other country in the world, independent country, that would give that level of access to to another another country. Uh, so so that's an area that uh, that is of concern. The other the other is. Um, is found in Article 4.4 of the of the treaty, uh, which requires Tuvalu to seek the approval of uh, Australia. And security has quite a, a broad definition under under the, the treaty. It covers uh, communications, maritime. Um, so that that's a concern for us because that does take away the the freedom of Tuvalu to make its own decisions. Uh, now we're we're subject to a veto power. Uh, by by Australia, so uh, those are things that that need to be worked out, and I think the new government uh, will need to uh, will need to look into that. It's not the ideal scenario. We want the land to be there, but in terms of, I guess the the seeing it before your eyes, a personal reflection from you. I mean, to see how the land has changed in the years that we've seen uh, since that viral video, even before in your lifetime. Uh, your home being swallowed up by rising seawater. Yeah, I, I think it's a it's a way of presenting our, our story to the to the world. Um, I mean, I, I travel a bit to some of these bigger countries and big cities, and and many of the people I talk to in those big cities, they I mean, they can't imagine you know living on a thin strip of island in the middle of of the ocean. Uh, and I, I, so I think it, uh, for us, we need to to package our message in such a way that it, it appeals to the people and, and it, it gives them that understanding to feel what it's like to be in, in our shoes. And and part of the, uh, I mean, this project, this Future Now project where we're looking at statehood and digital nation, uh, there's a message in that to the people as well, to see that a country is actually preparing for, for a worst case scenario. And, and we're hoping that that also appeals to to the to the wider population. This idea of uh, climate change refugees, I mean, it's not something you you know necessarily want to take up coming to Australia because then that would mean the death of your home. That's correct. and And we've been very careful in how we advocate uh, relocation because relocation can be used uh, against us. Um, you know Australia could say, well, we can take all ten thousand of you in Australia. But that doesn't really fix the the, the problem of, of, the, of the the climate change and the climate crisis that we're facing, and it has a huge impact on on the people having to leave the the their land.